Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. The next 10 minutes are inspired by a birthday party and a student. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the engine. Recently, one of my boys, the youngest, he turned four. And and this is a terrible time to be turning four because when you're a little kid, you don't really understand the Rona. You don't understand that people can't come to your birthday party. You don't understand that you can't have you know, the entire family over and my wife has a pretty big family and everybody comes over. I mean, aunts and uncles and cousins and and it's wonderful. It's really, it's awesome to see they really come together and it really makes these birthday parties, especially for the younger guys, really, really important. But, but we couldn't do that. Obviously the wife and I, we absolutely commit to going big though. So we get a pinata and we get up early, we stay up late the night before, streamers everywhere, okay? Tons of streamers, balloons, awesome balloons, and these little foam planes, and we're hanging out in the pool, and it's it's everything we could throw together. But, oh my God, the amount of effort that goes into it is extraordinary. Now, this is not just the birthday. The birthday just caps it off. The real problem is that we have our kids crawling, like physically crawling all over us every single day. And the screaming, the screaming bloody murder over somebody took my Lego, or he has more little sticky guys than I have, or my, my oldest son, the eight-year-old, will give somebody a noogie for no particular reason. Somebody's just sitting there reading a book and you'll give them a noogie and they start screaming and then you have to figure out what's going on. Now you're mad at the eight-year-old because the, the younger guy was just reading a book. It was no big deal. And you're mad at the younger guy because he's screaming bloody murder over a noogie. The eight-year-old shouldn't have done it, but the six-year-old shouldn't be screaming like that either. And this whole time you're trying to make breakfast. <laughs> like you're trying to clean up the kitchen. You're trying to deal with your own stuff. My wife and I constantly, okay, when you think we can snag a workout today? When do you want to work out? When can I work out? We can't even finish that sentence before somebody starts screaming. And this is a terrible admission, but there are definitely times when I wish I was going through the Rona experience alone. Which <laughs> is kind of like, oh my God, I can't get two moments of peace in my own house right now. Not not two moments and it would be so nice to just not have that and I kind of fantasize about this like man I could just I could get work done I could work out I could just take a deep breath and and maybe my life would be better now look the grass is always greener people constantly think hey my life would be better without this or my life would be better if I had that or Whatever. So I, I recognize this. So obviously I'm not making any plans to you know, continue my life, my life by myself. But one of my students actually at Cal High, he, he was telling me about his experience. Because the students come in, they review. I always ask, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Any update? And this guy says, yeah, uh, our guest left. And immediately I said, 
guest what? Like, what do you mean guest? You're not supposed to have guest. And he's like, no, no, no. He's been with us for a while. So it comes to pass that this student's family, right at the beginning of Rona, two, three weeks in, they're just humming along, going through all the normal things that people were going through. Normal, however you want to define that. But going through the standard stuff. They were quarantined. They're hanging out. They're, you know, trying to make the best of the situation, watching movies and whatever, getting on each other's nerves. Mom was really mad about school and, you know, kid was stressed out because he didn't feel anything was really happening. It was, it was a big debacle. It was like the end of March when this is going down. And they get a call from one of his dad's friends. His dad's friend, uh, family friend lived in San Francisco. And he said, hey, can I come for dinner? And he, before they could say anything, he's like, I've been quarantined, haven't seen anyone, haven't done anything, just wondering if I could come for dinner. And they realize, yeah, of course, come for dinner, man. No, no big deal. So the guy comes. And he ends up staying the night. Like, what are you rushing home to? <laughs> you can work from anywhere. You don't have much going on. He stayed at their house for the next three months. Three months. This guy was like couch surfing. I think they actually had a spare bedroom. So they figured out a way for this guy to get the things he needed and, and just stay. And my student's telling me this. I'm like, what? Like, the dude just stayed at your house? And I'm like, yeah, he just left. Just left. I'm like, why? Why did he do that? So the guest told them near the end of this day. And my student's family was incredibly gracious and, and offered him home and food and, and everything. He said, I guarantee you I would have been dead. I guarantee you I would have been dead if I had to do this alone in my apartment. He doesn't have a significant other. He doesn't have family. You know, he doesn't have little kids that he's taking care of. I don't even think he has a dog. He said I would have been dead. There's no way I could have survived it. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Because when I go home, say I run out of the store, come back, 90% chance I come back to screaming bloody murder over a Lego. My wife strung out, working so hard to keep it together, trying to put lunch together. The kids are just being bonkers. It's, it's absolutely infuriating. But hearing this story, it gave me pause because it helped me realize that it might actually be the pain and chaos of the family that keeps us alive. And that's a crazy thing to think, like the, especially to somebody who, who hasn't had a, a, a quiet moment in the house for months and now we have these fires and we can't let the kids go outside and then the power gets cut off yesterday and the AC's out and like all this stuff, nothing's working. And I keep coming back to it's like how, how is it that this is the glue that keeps me in the land of living? How is it that hearing my wife say the AC isn't working, the power's off, we bought these Tesla house batteries that are supposed to keep the power on no matter what, none of it's working. How is it that all of that is keeping us here? 
that without it, I might have met my end. And as painful as it is, I think, I think when it comes down to it, I think the answer is purpose. I think the answer is purpose. I have to get out of bed in the morning. I have to start the waffles and the pancakes. I have to help my wife. I know she's struggling. I'm not just out messing around, drinking beers with whatever friends I have, socially distancing, doing whatever. I have to help. I have to be there. I have to be there for my family. I have to be there for my wife. I have to be there for my kids. I have to be there for my students. I have these obligations. I have these responsibilities. And we all know that those are involved. But it wasn't really until this time when I realized the obligations are the actual thing that keep you wanting to be alive. The commitments you've made are the things that want make you want to stay here. That's what actually pulls you back. Without these things, what are you? But if I'm at home alone, I have no obligations to, the, to anyone. I'm just sitting around. I have no responsibility. Man, it's three in the afternoon. I'm in my pajamas. I haven't showered in four days. Like that's what that looks like. And having this family gives me my life. It gives me a chance to stay alive. It gives me a chance to come into the day. And the price, the price is nowhere near what it should be. The price for me having my life and not wanting to take it and not being alone and not having obligation is so fantastic. That's what it's worth. What does it actually cost me? It costs me breaking up some fights. It costs me some peace and quiet. It costs me time where I could just sit on the couch and drink coffee with my wife. Yeah, it costs me these things. But it gives me everything. And I think a lot of people miss, miss the mark because we've never been in such an extraordinary time and realized not the cost of family, but the value of family. The value of the family for the individual. I'm not going to let myself think about that. I'm not going to let myself think about would it be better without them in this situation. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. I'd be sleeping on someone's couch trying to stay alive. And because I have my family, I don't have to sleep on a couch. I can sleep in a bed with my wife and wake up the next morning as my kids run out of their bed, heat up some coffee and start the day. Families are tough, but being without a family is tougher. I'm Matt Todd, and this is the engine that drives me. Go out and crush it. Thank you, everyone, and please do remember the essay classes are lining up daily, as are the SAT and ACT review. If you need some help, just hit me up. Bye.